If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 416 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan and I am joined today, as always, by the Virgil van Dyke of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonnelly. He wasn't as good as he once was. And we are talking about a lot of stuff in the world of Irish MMA and MMA beyond even. This week, because we have UFC over on ABC, we had Bellator, we have, we probably have something going on next week that I haven't even looked at, we have loads of Irish MMA news and stuff to talk about as well. Before we get into all of that, let us tell you about our two beautiful sponsors, and first one is Manscaped, and you know what, summer is on the way, and Manscaped are here to ensure that your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full body grooming and hygiene products. If you go to manscaped.com, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMM. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence and level up your full body grooming game with the Performance Package 4.0. In that package, we all know it is the Lawnmower 4.0. It's brilliant. It's waterproof, cordless body trimmer with a ton of uh, added added extras uh, in the performance uh, package 4.0 as well, liquid formulations. I got more of them, I think it was, was it yesterday or before. I absolutely love them. I use them all the time. So make sure you go over there to manscaped.com and get them to the Crop Preserver is my favorite, the Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver, Ball Toner as well. Absolutely brilliant. Um, we have the Weed Whacker 2.0, which, like the uh, Lawnmower 4.0, has the advanced skin safe technology. And you get two free gifts as well in the performance package. It's the Shed Travel Bag, which t- uh, adds $39 in value. And the patented high-performance um, uh, reduced chafing manscaped boxers, which are perfect for the summer. Add on to that, if you're wearing sandals this summer, Manscaped Shears 2.0 for your nails is absolutely brilliant. As well, so have the right tools for your grooming because that's absolutely essential. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. Trim your chesticles with the besticles. And then our friends over at Kildare Lab, they're absolutely brilliant. And we're in the month of May now. Um, and I have something to propose for our listeners because it's the new sponsor, Caldera Lab, and it's here to get your skin summer ready. 
we brought, bring you nothing but summer readiness here on the Severe MMA podcast. Nine out of ten men experience healthier and visibly improved skin with Caldera Labs, which give you the tools to keep your skin fresh and confident as the weather heats up. At Caldera Lab, you can use the code Severe MMA to get twenty percent off calderalab.com for twenty percent off of their best products they create high performance men's skincare products by combining pharmaceutical grade science along with nature's purest and most potent uh, ingredients as you might age you might notice fine lines i definitely did i was out drinking on friday and i definitely noticed the old fine lines wrinkles and signs of aging but we can there a lab we, we can we can help we can help with that they have the regimen bundle which is, is all you need the clean slates in that the base layer the good Clean states to start your day. The base layer is for the nutrient-dense fortifying moisturizer that helps you, uh, your skin absorb uh, fast, leaving you in a matte finish. And the good is your go-to at night. Uh, it's clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well. So if you want to take uh, your skin get to the next level as well, the icon is really good for uh, the three most common signs uh, of uh, skin concerns around the eye, the fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Committed transparency and sustainability, as well as excellence, Caldera Lab is on a mission to make skin, men's skin, even better. Clean ingredients, do right by their customers, and do right by the planet we live in as well. So get 20% off with our code SEVERE MADE at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com by using the code SEVERE MADE. Take your skincare to the next level this summer with Caldera Lab. All right, Graham. Do you know what? We don't do it often here in the Severe MMA podcast, but we have a little bit of breaking news to start off the podcast today. We'll get into the UFC and then Bellator and all of that as well, but we have a fight to break, and the fight that we're breaking just to start off the podcast is Ireland's Brian Moore. He will be returning this summer, or summer autumn, I suppose, in September at Bellator Dublin, and he is going to be fighting Otto Rodriguez. Brian's back up to 145. Fighting Otto Rodriguez in his Bellator debut. He's 13 and 1. Uh, he was due to fight Aaron Pico, so that's how much they think of him. This guy is a very, very, very good fighter. Uh, lots of finishes and all of that. So and a big test for, for Brian Morris was maybe, you know, the name again. We'll talk about that in a minute, but. Here we go. Do you want to hear from the man himself? Here is Brian Moore, who's given us a quick note here about the fight itself. So I'm throwing over to Brian right now. So firstly, really excited to be back at Featherweight. Um, I lo- I've always enjoyed my uh, time competing at, at 145. Uh, so to go back, you know, a few, a few years later when I'm able to train full time, uh, where I've improved an awful lot in all areas, you know, it's exciting me. And what's what makes it more exciting is the opponent that I've got. You know, Otto Rodriguez is 13-1. and one. He's on a, a very long win streak. And, you know, when I snap that win streak in September, it's going to turn a lot of heads and it's going to put me right in the mix with the with the top featherweights. So, yeah, man, I'm buzzing for Dublin in September 23rd. Now, there you go. So, breaking news to start off the, the Severe May podcast. And looking forward to seeing uh, Brian back in there in September. Right, Graham, we talk obviously a lot more about that fight and a lot more of the, the Bellator Dublin fights as we go. But uh, to uh, start off today's podcast, I think we have to start off with the main man, Ian Gary. What a performance by him over in, uh, in Car- where was it, Charlotte, North Carolina, I think it was. We talked about it last week about being a step up. I know Ian even sent me a voice message and this is not a step up. What are you talking about? And, he's like, and we were kind of saying, oh, if he loses, I'm never going to lose. And you know what? 
He was dead fucking right. Some performance, Graham, wasn't it? What, what a what a win for Ian. Yeah, it was a brilliant performance. He looked so comfortable in there. You know, maybe in the couple of the, his first couple of UFC fights, he did look a bit, you know, more uncomfortable than we we were used to seeing him in in his kind of run up in in Cage Warriors and things like that. So he definitely seems to be more at home in the UFC now, and you could really see that he was in his flow straight away and. Like there was only going to be one winner. Um, you could see straight away that he was just going to be too fast, too long, too smart, have too many shots. And he, you know, I was expecting a bit more from Daniel Rodriguez. I was expecting him to to cause more problems for Ian, but Ian just just didn't allow him anything and uh, punished him whenever he tried to make anything happen. And you know, he said you said there that he said it wasn't a step up, but it was. You know, even if it, even if he was going to. Uh, in his mind, he was going to go and beat Daniel Rodriguez uh, in in spectacular fashion, like he did. You know, when you're fighting a top fifteen guy and kind of putting yourself in the the top fifteen picture and the talk of fighting the likes of Neil, Neil Magny, who he called it, that's definitely a, a step up. And you know, for a step up, he looked like he he belonged there and looked like he'd been there for years. And you know, he's he's twelve and zero now. He's still young, but he looks like he's ready. And he called out Neil Magny as I mentioned there and. I think, that, I think that actually makes a lot of sense, and uh, you know, will be a will be a good test, a winnable test, and would really show you know where he's at. And sh- uh, if he wins that, and he wins that in spectacular fashion like he did here, then you know you can't hold him back anymore. He's ready to go against the very top guys. A hundred percent, without without a shadow of a doubt. And I'm glad you said that there about a step up because there was no doubt about the fact that it was a step up, but a step up from his last opponents. Like, that doesn't mean that he isn't able for the step up or he wants them over. And by God, was he ready for it? And he showed that. So, like, Ian is actually, like, he was better against a better opponent, if that makes sense. And that is real, a real good sign. Like, a really, really, really good sign. You know, sometimes we can get carried away with Irish fighters and all like that. But when they show you signs like this, when any fighter shows you a sign like this and they can blow away an opponent in the fashion he did, God almighty, that's our... Oh, that's a ridiculously good sign. What a performance by him. Like, because it wasn't just, okay, he landed a big shot, Rodriguez went down, he finished him off. There's a lot that came before that. My biggest criticism of the last fight wasn't Ian Gary getting hit with a big shot. It was him being maybe too, uh, you know, passive in that first round before he got hit with it. He was actually better after because he attacked a little bit and he went from this fight from the very start. It wasn't that he was going out there all out attacking, but there was no passiveness at all from him. Everything he could do right, he did right. There was one brilliant uh, sequence where uh, Rodriguez was coming in with a big hook and Ian just like dropped his head down under it. Came, landed a shot first, dropped his head down under it and then came up with another one or, or kind of just stepped away and got out the way. It was so silky, so smooth from the very start against an opponent who was very good. I think. The yeah, I think it was the comfort that straight away, yeah. like you know, because even even very experienced guys at the very like UFC veterans at the very start of fights, there is a bit of a feeling out period, and sometimes it can be a bit tentative, and it takes a while for people to get into his flow. But yeah, Ian was straight into his flow, and you know, I, I think Rodriguez was kind of taken aback by. Uh, you know how good Ian was. He he was probably expecting to go in there and kind of you know shut this guy up and end the hype and all that stuff that like you know these guys like to say when they're fight, fighting an, un, an undefeated guy who has a lot of belief in himself. And I think he he was a bit shocked with what was going on. And you know the the comfort level is something that you know you can kind of ease yourself into it and, and learn it a little bit. But I think it's one of them things that maybe you either have or you don't. And it's a really good sign when you can kind of 
under pressure in the biggest fight of your life, be so comfortable so quickly in the fight and just, you know, let your game go in such a smooth manner. Yeah, it was it was so good. Like I talked to Reese McKee last week and we've always talked about his comfort level and his calm and, you know, it was a similar thing here, but I, I think it's a little bit different. I think some people, are, I think Reese is kind of naturally like that. And I think Ian is like that through like preparation. Like some people, and now Reese is very good preparation and without preparation, he wouldn't be able to do it. But you get me like, there's some people in there and they could go in and they could be calm and get fucking destroyed. If you get what I mean, like, or be confident and get destroyed. But to go in there and like have that level. But uh, do you know what a, a big part of it I think was as well? The very first battle for the jab, he won it handily, right? He, Absolutely, like I'd say within five seconds, maybe, or maybe it's a little bit longer. You know, these things get elongated sometimes, but he just jabbed and, like, not just jabbed him. I think Dominic Cruz said it in the commentary, and God Almighty, don't get me started in the commentary. We'll do that later on. He absolutely, like, rocked his head back. It wasn't, you know, that they call him the, the it's not a significant strike on the uh, on the, the stats. By God, was that jab a significant strike? Absolutely rocked his head back. And from that second, Rodriguez was on the back foot, not necessarily physically on the back foot, but on the back foot in the fight. He knew he came in here against the guy who's going to attack his strong point. When you're a southpaw, it's you know it's usually maybe a little bit uh, of an advantage for you because you know not, most people are, are orthodox and it's it's different. But for Ian, it, like it opened up that head kick the whole time, and obviously which uh, was in the beginning and the end of the fight, it opened up uh, a few of the lower kicks as well, and he set it up well. As he said in the, the post fight, he didn't um, he didn't need to throw it immediately. He didn't need to throw it as a finishing shot immediately. But when he needed, when he um, uh, the opportunity arose, he was able to do it. But like every part of the fight, you could actually go down and you know we're we're literally recording this moments after the main event, so we haven't had a chance to go back and watch it yet. But I'd say I would before the Q and A when I go back and watch it. I think there's going to be so many things that you can pick out, like good things that Ian Gary did differently. Myself and Harry did a podcast the other day. Uh, it's coming out this Thursday, I think, about variation in MMA. And now this fight didn't obviously didn't go too long. It only went uh, how long did it go? Uh, less just three seconds, less than three minutes, and there wasn't any ground work or anything that apart from the last few seconds. But like the fact that I talked there about, he threw a high kick. He, he threw body shots. He got the head down to get out the way of a hook. He threw inside leg kicks. He threw kicks to the body. There's a lot of variation in a very quick space of time. I, there, there was a lot there to get through, uh, Graham, wasn't there? And it was all very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even, you know, outside of the kind of fighting, a lot of people have been very sceptical of, of Ian and, um, you know, a lot of the McGregor comparisons and the UFC kind of played into that. But when you're putting on performances like that and you could see the kind of the Twitter reaction and the stuff they put on the on the, on the the TV that fighters were saying, you know, uh, Ian is the, re- the real deal. And I think this is, this is one of them performances where people will sit up and take notice and say, okay, maybe I don't... I don't, you know, I'm not vibing with the guy's personality or whatever, but this guy is definitely a, a real prospect. And sometimes, you know, that can be clouded by people's emotions. But I think this is the kind of performance that will make people take you seriously. And, you know, I mentioned earlier the Neil Magny fight, but if they're not putting that together, there's loads of really interesting fights that I think people, the general public, are going to be very excited for now. You know, it's if they if they if they they keep putting them on um you know random random fight nights it may take a little, little bit longer but if they put his next fight against Neil Magny or somebody uh, similar to Neil Magny on a big card I can 
I can really see him kind of breaking out even more in his next fight because he does seem ready. You know, I'm always talking about the Irish guys needing to take the slow roll, and I think he's he's taking the the, the right kind of journey and he's taking the step ups when he's needed to, and he's learned from you know each step up and made adjustments, and he's he's doing everything at the right time. So I, I think it is time to kind of you know give Ian Gary a main event or a co-main event of a, of a big card or, you know, even obviously selfishly a Dublin card will be phenomenal. And, you know, we have loads of Irish fighters ready to go to, to sign to the UFC. So it'll be, uh, for selfish reasons, obviously that would, that would be ideal. Yeah, we, we, we'll get back to that in a second. But I just, like, on what you were saying there about Ian, I think the the whole, uh, there's, so there's two parts of it, right? There's the kind of the personality, what he says in interviews and stuff like that. And... <laughs> the, the true part of it and the way he says it right so I put up an interview I did with Ian before he was uh, before he made his pro debut and even one or two after that he was always talking about not necessarily taking the slow road but gaining experience and doing this fight that fight that fight that fight to get to a place like he said he was kind of saying I need like over the years I heard him say I'm learning I'm learning I'm yeah. learning like time and again and he was uh, f- literally from before his pro debut he was saying that and I I love that because whenever we talk, and this is not all oh, Irish boys, whatever, but whenever we talk about fighters, we always talk about, um, you know, having a ladder to the top. And on each step, you have a, a reason for the, that step and a way to, you know, work to the top that shows that you are ready. And not to show you're ready, but to actually get you ready. And I think that's what we were talking about here before this. Like maybe the, say, a Tim Means fight would have made more sense because then you could fight Rodriguez afterwards. Now, we are proven ra- wrong. <laughs> Let's say no. I don't think any of us picked them to beat Rodriguez, and in fact, I picked the finish on my bet of the week. And also, there you go. But um, I-, I think that's something Ian has always done, right? And I, I've all. I think a lot of people have always gravitated to the fact that he hasn't. There's been le- very little bullshit in that part of it because most people are saying, you know, I'm going to be a world champion. I don't care what I have to. Do, I don't care who I have to beat, and and that's all well and good. And Ian says that too, but he also gives you the steps to get there, so it makes more sense. Now the delivery of it as well, and look with anyone, the delivery of it is always going to um, uh, be loved by some people and be hated by by other people. Like on the way up when he was in cage wires, it was it was all love, you know. And the same with a lot of people, you know, Paddy Pimblett, maybe a little bit less with, with, with Paddy, but. For a lot of people, it's all love, and then you get to the UFC, and it's things start going uh, to another stratosphere, and then some of it's love, and some of it's not love, or you know, some of it's like, oh well, he used to be like this, and he's like, and that's going to be the same for everyone, and that's a thing he has to, I suppose, he has to deal with, you know, the fact that uh, you know he's obviously become a lot more savvy with social media, and a lot of his posts are going up, and they're very edited, and you know, some people don't like that; they like naturally, and they like him in interviews and things like that, and that's absolutely your your prerogative. But I was looking yesterday. And I already day before, and like that pizza thing, I feel like a lot of the Irish people are like, "Oh, okay, you know, this is, you know, this is a bit weird." And then a lot of the Americans are like, "Oh my god, that's absolutely hilarious! The funniest thing I've ever seen." So, you know, there's a lot more Americans out there that he needs to win over than Irish, I think. And I think, as you said, one Dublin card and quickly the Irish will be quickly uh, won over. But also with performances like this, absolutely everyone will be won over. And as long as you keep putting on performances like this, it doesn't matter how many pizzas, it doesn't matter how many Instagram posts you. Put up or TikToks or whatever you might be doing this is all that matters and if you can produce what Ian Gary produced here and against Neil Magny and against Wonderboy and against whoever's next then you'll be fighting for the title after that and he can talk about his six fights all he wants but if he wins the next three 
he'll be fighting for a title. I guarantee you that. I, that's my guarantee if he wins him. Now, if that's any will win him, but if he does, it's not, it's not going to take six fights. And that's my prediction there, if he can keep going. And it's brilliant. It's absolutely I mean, brilliant. If, if you could have pick your ideal next opponent for, for Ian, who would it be? Uh, I I was thinking Wonderboy. I thought he was going to call out Wonderboy. I really did. Like, Wonderboy is a... Is a t- Look, it's a very, very tough matchup for him. Neil Magny's a very tough matchup for anyone as well. I'm not saying... Like, I'd probably pick Ian to beat, beat both of them. No, I'm not going to get into my old Wonderboy, but you know what I mean? It's... It, it, it's tough after seeing that performance to, to not pick him, but like open up the, the welterweight rankings here and just looking like I've, I remember being asked this question maybe after his last fight and given like, uh, where does he go, you know, in three fights. And obviously I, I would given uh, Rodriguez a second one. And I think the one after I was looking at was the likes of say like a Jeff Neal or a Michael Chiesa. Michael Chiesa is number 12. Now I actually like, I think Ian Gary would, yeah, I, was thinking Chiesa. Chiesa. I was thinking Chiesa you know it's a nice kind of build for you you could put that on a, a local card and have it kind of as a showcase uh, like no disrespect to Chiesa but he'd obviously be a bigger favourite probably in my opinion over Chiesa than he would over Magni even though I'd expect him to probably be a favourite over Magni and you know the Magni fight maybe would be more likely to go to a decision than the Chiesa fight as well so yeah it depends on where they're going to go but you know if they want to do a, a Dublin show I think maybe a Chiesa would be a good choice. I, I think if you're headlining a Dublin show, look, we would take Chiesa, we would take Magda, we would take anyone. I think you you do want, I think you you do that with a Wonderboy type of fight, really, because like I think you do it with a fight that if you win it, you could be fighting for a title. Now, at this exact minute, no, that wouldn't happen because we have uh, Colby next and then we have, obviously have Bilal as well. But let's say the Colby fight happens, Bilal is next lined up, Shemaev's gone to 185. Like, okay, there isn't Shavkat maybe the next obvious one there, but there isn't someone like massively obvious around uh, aside from Shavkat. And then Wonderboy is right, ranked number seven. So you beat Wonderboy. You're like, you're uh, top six, top five possibly there. And you're very, like, you're very, very close. But now, as I said, that's three fights away. But if that was the fight in Dublin to get you to that next level, it could be absolutely massive. And now we're going, you know, we're doing now, we're climbing three or four steps up the ladder here, which we probably shouldn't be doing. But it's hard not to do that after what we just saw. And it's hard not to get excited. And you know what? I don't give a fuck because it's such a great time for Irish MMA. You know, we, we talked about it last week or the week before as well. And it feels like, you know, there's been knockback and knockback and knockback for Irish MMA. And, it's it's been tough. Like we've been here covering it, and we've been talking now about all of it. And we've been talking about the, the bad times, and you know, and we we're not ignoring the bad times, and no one ignores the bad times or the, the the bad results or whatever it might be. But God Almighty, when the good times are here, let's enjoy them. And to to be sitting here covering this and seeing lads winning like this, but to be seeing the fans as well, and everyone's like, oh, here's the next fight up, the next fight up, the next fight up, and they're winning all these fights. And Danny McCormick has her belt, and Sean Abandon is the next in line, and the three lads from up at Ulster with the with the Bells Hughes. Lochran and McKee, absolutely brilliant. Key for winning that massive fight. Uh, Lee Hammond coming up on tough starting in two weeks' time. Sinead Kavanagh, probably number one contender. Liam McCorp putting on that unbelievable performance. Everyone at Cage Warriors Dublin, the, the last that did put on a great performance. Ian here, even the likes of Johnny Walker, um, you know, which we'll, we'll get to in a minute as well. And I'm, you know, Kieran Clark at Bellator and Queeley in the main events and hopefully James Galler and his way back and Kenny Makahana and Franz Malambo coming up soon and uh, John Mitchell coming up soon as well. 
and everyone. I'm I'm forgetting a hundred people, but you know, it's it's such a great time for Irish MMA, and so many people on good runs, and so many people at the precipice of fucking a something special, and it's brilliant. We've literally never had a better time for Irish MMA. Forget about Conor McGregor, right? Forget about him. What's after that? What we have now is better than what we have ever had, and. It's it's absolutely brilliant. It is brilliant. Graham, you were there during all of it, and you were there during the come up and all. And it feels like it feels like this come up has been waiting for a long time, but it's all took all kind of come very quickly. And it feels like in the last few weeks, it's like, hold on, we we we, we all kind of knew that there was a lot of good fighters out there, and we looked at it, but then it was like, wait. Here's everyone right now. We have like four or five belts. We have so many people yeah. on the precipice. What a fucking time. It's, it's brilliant. It's kind of funny how, how it kind of happened similar in a similar way and for the, the previous kind of generation where everybody kind of was winning Cage Warriors titles and similar things around the same time. And it all, it seemed like everybody was kind of nearly ready at the same time. And it's happening again uh, even to an even larger extent in terms of uh, the pool of fighters who, who are looking like, you know, Caelan Lochran, for example, you know, he's Cage Warriors champion and he came out absolutely nowhere in terms of the pro ranks. Like a few years ago, we, we wouldn't even be mentioning him and now he's a Cage Warriors champion and you're, you're looking at how he'd match up against UFC guys and you're thinking, you know, he's improving the way he does. This this guy, this guy is the limit. And, you know, and there's also guys that have been around for years that have been itching to go that, you know, for circumstances uh, out of their hands with COVID and not that many events being on for other reasons before that and things like that. They're raring to go and they're getting their chances now, as you mentioned. And everybody seems to be, you know, grabbing the the chances with with, with both hands, their chances with both hands. And you know, I was I was mentioning and Ian Gary getting a kind of headlining a UFC fight night. And if they were to do it in Dublin, it would make a lot of sense to to sign a lot of these guys and. I think, you know, if COVID hadn't happened and that planned Dublin show had gone ahead, these guys, probably, a few of these guys probably would have been signed, but maybe it would have been just a little bit too early. And I think that the timing is better is better now or better in the next six, 12 months if the UFC were to come back. I think I think everything's worked out really nicely. A hundred percent. And like, even, you know, Reese was supposed to get signed and he got signed not too long after and it was too early. And now, you know, I was talking to him last week and he even said that and, it does feel like he's ready now. Like if Paul Hughes is 100% ready, like Kiefer is ready, Lee Hammond obviously ain't off. Like, Kellen, maybe he needs one more fight, but God damn it, he looked fucking ready last week to me. <laughs> you know, and Ian Gary is, Ian Gary's definitely fucking ready anyway. But God almighty, it's, it's such an exciting time. It's such an exciting time. And do you know what? It feels like, right, before there's like a chance, a chance, a chance these people could get there and hopefully, you know, maybe Connor will be able to, to drag him up with him or whatever. But now it feels like they all deserve it. Like there's no none of the people I mentioned there who haven't actually earned it. Like you don't beat Cowboy Oliver like Kiefer does and not deserve it. You don't get to cage warrior championships like the, the the three lads and and not deserve it. You don't win the Invicta Championship like Danny McCormack and not deserve it. Like that's that's six people there enough. Five, five people plus uh, plus um, uh, Lee Hammond who will hopefully be there as well. Like. All who are like, this is not just me thinking, are you thinking, or whoever thinking, they should get there. This is like, they're ready, they're there, they're knocking on the door. If someone needs a fight, fighter right now, they should be one of the number one people on planet Earth getting in there. And that's so exciting. It's so exciting. And um, Jesus, it's it's great. And Ian Gary, like, he's leading the way. You know, he talked about after the last fight, he's like the takeover part two and on. And Jesus Christ, it might very well be. 
you know it might be and I, I just hope I hope the UFC have the foresight to actually see it you know because and I said it's funny myself and um and you know you have a podcast coming out over in Shardog, uh this week talking about like the European scene and the way it's going and getting signed and all and you know sometimes we, we have that thought like are, are the UFC actually going to see this and are they going to sign these lads and do they realise what's going on here but they have to it feels like they have to now at this stage if they have any any bit of foresight, any bit of uh, smarts with them at all, they will bring these lads in, and they will do not not like it's it's going to be tough for them to do an Ireland show, I believe, because it's you know even though the rumors are kind of swirling again, we'll see how that works out. But uh, sign them anyway, and you'll get people to travel. You get massive uh, a massive fan base behind you, and that's what that's what every promotion needs. And why would the UFC turn that down? I don't know, but. God almighty, what a great time. What a great time. And another Irish trend fighter as well on this card, Graham. Johnny Walker, who, you know, a lot of people were giving out about the fight. It wasn't the greatest fight in the world, but by God, was it a good performance. I think, though, I think the, what people are kind of disappointed is that Johnny Walker, you know, he, 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 I kind of felt like at times he could have done more to finish the fight and just played it safe. But, you know, that's kind of the tactic that he's been trying to work to kind of to play it safe, to not be this wild man. And when he was being that wild man for a few seconds, he actually did get taken down and kind of the momentum of of the near finish that he had kind of dwindled out and gave Anthony Smith the chance to recuperate. So, you know, it is a double a double-edged sword when you do go for it. But I, I do know where they're coming from, and especially in the second round, he did seem to kind of take a lot of the round off or slow the round down. And, you know, he did have Smith, Badly hurt uh, in the first round, and when he did let his offense go, he, you know, Smith couldn't really, didn't really have any answers for it. So I could see where people maybe wanted a little bit more from Johnny Walker, considering you know the highlights that we 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 saw from him when he first came into the UFC. But playing a safe and beating guys against Anthony Smith and putting yourself in a position where you're in title title talk again is is what he wants and job done, and he he didn't take much damage and. You know, Anthony Smith is a dangerous guy, so you can understand it both ways. But uh, yeah, I can a little bit. I can understand where the frustration is coming from, maybe especially from that second round. Yeah, yeah. I I thought like it was one of those performances from Johnny Walker that he has given over the last few fights, and that is, I suppose, uh, a detailed, more tactical fight than we would have seen from Johnny Walker before. And, you know, as a massive Michel Pereira stan, I can understand why people are a little bit disappointed in that. But I, like, I think for Johnny Walker, he needed this. And, like, you you would be a fool not to give himself and, uh, you know, um, John Kavanaugh and the SPG guys and Packy Collins in his corner a lot of credit for the run he's put on at the moment. And now, like, as you said, he could be right up there towards maybe not number one contender, but not far away from it. You know, he jumped out of the cage, he went after the champion. It was, I thought it was a good performance. Like, it was the first time I've seen him fight like this where he actually, like, took a few shots, but he could have taken a lot more if Smith was better, if you get me. But that's... That's a good sign as well. Like, I, I always remember, and you know, to I do an SPG example here, but McGregor versus Alvarez fight. Like, 
I don't think the poor old uh, monkey on Conor McGregor's chest ever got a bad beating as in that fight because like Eddie Alvarez was like two inches short on every punch and was beating Conor McGregor right in the chest every time and like none of the, and what I mean by that was none of them were landing on the face none of them were landing on the chin and it was the same with this in this fight except it was like the shoulder blade of Johnny Walker every single time Smith threw it was on the shoulder blade now a better fighter he might have got a couple of them through or he might have been a second earlier and it, it was a lot of it was Johnny kind of reaching or Johnny moving and like that can be by design too you know we all we know the whole shoulder defense and all but now it was it was a different a little bit different to that but I thought it was look it was a good performance he picked him off he threw a gargantuan amount of kicks by the, th- the, the, the time the fight almost came to an end it could have been stopped. Johnny could have upped the pace a little bit towards the end. No, I'm kind of glad he didn't because my uh, flyer of the week was plus 600 Johnny Walker to win by decision. So it worked out absolutely well for me. So that's two weeks in a row I've got plus 600. Uh, I didn't actually bet in it, but I, I picked it out as my bet of the week. So it was uh, it was great for me. But um, yeah, it was, look, it wasn't a classic of a fight by any means. Don't get me wrong, but it was a very good performance from Johnny Walker against a potentially dangerous opponent uh, in Anthony Smith. And I suppose he moves on and he goes to the he goes to the next level. And it's um, you know we we can take that as a win too for Irish MMA because let's say if they did put on a show back in Ireland, you know Ian Walker, uh, uh, Johnny Walker, Ian Walker, he's a he was a great goalie back. Ian Walker, he was a great goalie, goalie, lovely hair, didn't he? Uh, It'd be probably Johnny Walker and Ian Gary in co-main event, main event, um, co-main event and main event, I think, is is the most likelihood there, I would say. And you know what? That'd actually be like a really good card, to be honest, if you just had the two of them. And then Paul Hughes, Reese McKee, Kellen Lochran, Kiefer Crosby, Lee Hammond, Danny McCormick, whoever else it might be, Sean O'Bannon, maybe, and a few more. It'd be absolutely fantastic with a few more fights thrown in. So let's, uh, let's hope for that one. Let's absolutely hope for that one. But do you, like, where do you think Johnny goes after this? Because... There isn't much wiggle room there in that division after this because, like, I'm looking at it here. He's ranked number seven. Smith's ranked number five. So he's probably going to be ranked number, you know, five, possibly four by the time the, the rankings come out and wins there. All you have above that is Rakic, Blahovic, Ankalaev, Prohachka, and the champion Jamal Hill. It looks like it's not going to be Prohachka. I think Ariel reported the other day he's still injured. Like, Ankalaev and Blahovic are both coming off of uh, the draw. Uh, Rakic I think he's still out injured He's probably due to come back soon But I don't think he's going to come straight back into a title fight Like Johnny Walker's next in line then And I know Johnny Walker has lost and got knocked out by Jamal Hill So that obviously works against him But there isn't There isn't like many great options there Well what do you think happens you've, have you, And this is probably one of the questions in the Q&A Which I'm answering here But it seems like there's a bit of a a bit of an impasse did, there Did you say Jan Blahovic has a fight already did you? He he drew with uh, Ankalaev, didn't he? Let's see. Uh, let me just click on it here. See if yeah. see anything coming up. It's it's hard to keep a track of all this. That part. Yeah, no, that's yeah. I don't know why they kind of haven't done that again. I suppose. Let's see his Ankalaev anything lined up here. No, I don't think so. So yeah, it's uh, which you wouldn't mind seeing Blahovic against uh, against Hill, is it, or Blahovic against yeah, Walker? Uh, Walker against Blahovic, or even Walker yeah. against Ankalaev. I think you know, you know, I I think maybe a statement win is you know obviously he's he's fought the champion before so it's, it's a difficult maybe if it was a fresh matchup he might have more of a chance but the fact that he used, as you said he was finished by the champion before and he's he, he was a dominant win tonight but it wasn't a spectacular finish it wasn't a statement win so I think he needs a statement win and like Jan or uh, Ankalaev would be a big statement win and would put him definitely then in the in the talk for that rematch you know when you've lost to the champion, you, I think you do need to do a little bit more. 
Yeah, that's a that's a fair shout. He's three in a row now. Kutalaba, Craig, and uh, and Smith, unanimous decision, and uh, a knockout and a submission. So you never you'd never know you'd never know what way the cookie crumbles. I, I think Jamal Hill though. You, you get Jan versus Walker. You got the the Brazilian Irish community, the Polish Irish community. Yeah. You got the Irish Dublin. like you know that that'd be a pretty big fight. Love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Why not? Why not? Um. The main event then, Chilton Almeida against Jarzinho Rosenstruck. There isn't much really to analyze in this one. He took him down. He stayed in half guard for a second. He passed. He gave up his back. He choked him out. It was all, all so predictable. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> <laughs> The way he was taken down as well. Yeah, they comical. mentioned James Tony. And it actually, before it even mentioned, it came to my mind. I was like, uh, yeah. that, was, that wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, it was the one good bone from the commentary in, in the whole night. But And they were trying to be like, oh, it's like uh, your Shamsa, Shamsa the <laughs> level. Hamza, oh God, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I made a... <sighs> I know Rosenstruck, like he's a dangerous guy on the feet, but I don't think he really proved anything with this performance. I think, um, although he, you know, he did everything right, it, it was just so bad from Rosenstruck that yeah, I don't think I really learned anything about Almeida. No, no, I just got him a got him a paycheck, and and that was that. Like it actually says a lot about the UFC's heavyweight division that someone like Rosenstruck can be found in this position. Like he's so so bad like but like to be fair he came out and he tried to punch Almeida at the very start to knock him out didn't work well like what else was and he gonna do <laughs> 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 fair play to him a lot of lads wouldn't do that I'm like he he literally fought to the best of his ability <laughs> for, for three seconds at the start of the fight and I was like look sorry Jersey before getting nearly <laughs> ankle picked <laughs> oh, oh god it was li- oh my god it was bad it was bad yeah, James only like from this and Cron Gracie last week. This wasn't quite this wasn't quite as bad as Cron Gracie now, don't get me wrong, but yeah, it was uh it was pretty bad to see this as a, a UFC level fight uh, or a UFC level fighter. But having said that, like Rosenstruck has beaten some good guys and if you stand up with him he's a brilliant brilliant fighter, but uh when you're fighting someone the level of Jilton Almeida um and how well he can wrestle you, that deficiency is going to be shown up and shown up in a way that is impossible to get away from for the rest of your career. Like, because anyone, and we've all known this before about Rosenstruck, like, but anyone who tries to do, tries to fight Rosenstruck now is just going to try to do what Almeida did. Because it wasn't like, Almeida is a great wrestler, but it wasn't like he went in with any great massive setup or anything. He fucking went straight across, double legged him in the middle of the cage and took him down. Like it was, you know, 2004 level kind of stuff, not, uh, you know, not 2023 coming on to 2024 stuff. So, look, Almeida goes forwards. Uh, he called out Tai Tuivasa. He, he loves calling out uh, lads with no wrestling. He'll be calling out Cyril Gagne next, I think, and he'll probably be fighting for a title. I, I'd be surprised if those two fights don't happen and he does fight for a title. Like, Jelton against John Jones down the line is mouth-watering to me because that's a fucking... Oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a fight we can all get excited about. But uh, are you as high on Jelton as I am? I, I think he's very good. Uh, about getting excited about John Jones, I'm definitely not there yet. I think he, you know, he has a lot to prove still. Uh the way John Jones has gone through <laughs> a motivated, a half motivated John Jones, you know, is, is uh, I think at this stage too much for him, but you know, he's still developing. He's still kind of proving himself. He's still got questions to, that need to be answered, but 
you know, potentially, I suppose. But uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be on the the same level of excitement of, of uh, thinking about John Jones just yet. It's official. John Tanmira will beat John Jones. You're hearing it here from me. You heard it here first. The 13th of May, probably the 14th of May by the time this podcast comes out. 2022. We'll see. I can 20, see John Jones being very unmotivated if, yeah. if he's forced to. <laughs> well, to, to know, this know, he's good. He's good. Uh, right. We'll run through the rest of the cards. Uh, Carlos Ulberg knocked out Igor Pateria, and this was completely overshadowed by Dominic Cruz just being the most unprofessional commentator I think I've ever seen. It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, like Ulberg went in there, landed a good shot. Poteria was obviously in trouble. He was landing a load of shots on him. Uh, the referee was looking at it, landing a good few shots. He stood up, and Poteria didn't get back away. The referee went in and stopped it. Uh, he was, you know, Keith Peterson was giving Poteria all his shots. And then Dominic Cruz, before it was even stopped, in the middle of Ballberg landing shots, he was roaring, oh, what's he doing? This idiot. Oh, he didn't say idiot, but oh, my God. Just... Imagine you're Carlos Ulberg watching this back, right? And you're thinking, oh, I'm going to go back now onto UFC Fight Pass here. I'm going to watch my fight. I'm going to sit down with my family, my sure, coaches. Sure, imagine you were every fighter going back to watch your yeah. fight. You'd have to and, mute it no matter And then you're Dominic Cruz just talking about a fight he had four four years ago or something. Uh, it, it was... I, uh, I yeah, Dominic Cruz for the last like, even year or so now just, just doesn't seem to care anymore. I don't know. I don't know what... Uh, you know, he used to be kind of a real details man and only come in when he had something important to say, but now it's just, I don't know what's going on. It's, you know, he's like giving up or something. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what's going on. Yeah, and Carmia was probably, like, the weird thing about this was Cruz was worse than Carmia. That's how bad he was. Like that, and Carmia. Yeah, I used to. Be, I used to. Like, Cruz actually used to be very good. Like, oh, he used to be my favorite. Like, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. No, it's just... It's weird that you, you see that sometimes, even that video that came out of him talk about judging the other day, uh, just absolute complete nonsense. And you're thinking, if this lad can speak so uh, calmly and assuredly about something that is like completely incorrect, then what's he talking about the rest of the time? <laughs> you, what, you know? what was he saying about, oh, if, if, if somebody cuts you, you got to cut them back. That's how the scoring yeah, works. He said that in the middle of the fight, yeah. But like the other day, he was like, uh, you have to like draw blood to win fights and that's it. They're just, they're scoring on cuts and, you know, and he was like, did you know a cut is worth more than a takedown? He said to Brendan Schaub and Schaub was like, what? What are you talking about? How can that be true? And like Cruz was saying it like so assuredly, it was, it was ridiculous stuff like it, it was lads sitting in a pub well, like, could probably is usually more than a takedown but rightly so like yeah well obviously like but like I, that's what i'm saying it's like entry level start of the understanding and he was talking as if this was him discovering the fucking the next series of prime numbers or something it was absolutely ridiculous like it was it was absolutely and utterly ridiculous and he oh my god he's awful like Quinner, and I've complained about it enough. I haven't complained about. Uh, do you know what? I haven't fucking complained about it enough because I, I kind of stopped giving out about the commentary. But it's so uh, like when are we going to be rescued from this shit? It's so unbelievably bad. Like you've some great people. John Anik is great. Uh, John Gooden is very good. It's a pity Dan Hardy's gone because he was the best of them all. I don't mind Bisping too much. Like Bisping jokes at the right time and things. Paul Felder is very good. Laura Sanko is very good. You have some very good people there. Like just. 
use them find some new people and get rid of this rubbish like who wants to listen to Daniel Cormier just roaring laughing and nodding in the middle of a fight in a joke that no one gets except himself and even like John Anik is like alright can we kind of move on here type of thing like it's Oh, I don't know. I can't take it anymore. Like I, because uh, it was earlier today as well, and there was like people around. I had the commentary up, and that's why I probably heard it more. Because recently, I have like put the commentary as low as possible, so I can just kind of hear the, the background noise. And so, like maybe I can put together what they're saying. Like I'm, I have it like two or three the commentary so low at night. Uh why? But why do we have to live that way? Like why do we have to live with this shit? It's just so annoying. Anyway. Move on. Ah, would you ever stop moaning? Would you? I am moaning. Yeah, I'm, uh, but I haven't moaned about it enough. I needed no moan. I got that out now. I won't moan again for the next couple of weeks about it. So until next Sunday. Um, Alex Morono, Tim Means, caught him in an old, uh, caught him in an old guillotine after a bit of a spin. I thought this was very interesting. He caught him in the guillotine. And I was like, ah, he's never going to guillotine him from there because Means kind of had his left, uh, uh, Morono's left leg was stuck inside and Means was holding it there. But Morono did a great job of getting the left leg out, put it over the back of him, the two legs, and ended up getting the guillotine. It was good stuff there and a good win for him. Brilliant knockout win for Matt Brown. Came right over the top with a beautiful right hand. I, at first when I saw I was like, oh, did he land the elbow there? But then they showed the reverse angle. No, he kind of flush with the right hand and knocked him out. You know, I was coming into this and I was kind of thinking, maybe maybe this is time for Matt Brown and Court McGee might have enough here. But no, Matt Brown's showed there's a, a little bit left in the tank and got a lovely win here. Uh, Carl Williams beat Chase Sherman in a terrible fight. Uh, Silva de Andrade beat uh, Cody Stamen. There was a bit of a controversy in this one, Graham. Uh... Stamen won, was it the third, and Sylvain Andrade won the first and the second, but there was a uh, The first round, kick. yeah. yeah. Stamen got like a takedown where it looked for a second like he was going to try and spike uh, Andrade on his head, but he just kind of took him down and Andrade kind of glanced off his face with his... It was kind of a, a kicking motion, but it just glanced off Stamen's, uh, uh, Cody Stamen's face and the ref immediately told him to stop and... Uh, asked uh, Cody was he alright and separated them and then when he restarted it he just restarted it on the feed even though you know Cody was obviously <laughs> on top so uh, that was that was pretty bad um, uh, you, Cody you know, was playing the game though wasn't he like and when you play the game I and you the, ref and he, the ref said stop and, he, and yeah he kind of tried to ham it up a little bit probably but like um, I, I did he I'll have to go back and watch I it I think again, the ref caused the whole thing you know, yeah, it was yeah. just, it was bad in my opinion. Like, okay, if uh, if the guy complains and says, hey, you just kicked me in the face and you saw it, then okay, you can stop it and ask him, is he okay? But he, if he's fighting on and he's fine, like, let him fight on or at least give him back the position when you do restart the fight, if you are going to stop the stop the fight for yeah. the slight glance off the face with the... Yeah, with the just like, I, uh, that's, I have a real problem with that recently because... Maybe maybe you're right now and come completely wrong, but I thought Stamen was like backing away as if he'd been kicked very hard and then the referee kind of said it. Now, if it was the other way around, I'll admit it and I was wrong, but I like, and let's say that that is okay. Forget about this fight for a second, but let's say someone gets kicked and they're back away and they get barely touched. Like, I think the referee isn't within his rights to put him back standing up. Like, if you ham it up like that, if it's only a little bit of a grazing foul or barely touch, like, I, I think if you play, if you play that game, and you jump out of position, 
then you should like you don't deserve to have the position back. That's my opinion on it. Like, I like uh, so we we've gone mad. You know, about one thing in this man. fight though that maybe played into it, maybe the fight before Stamman was going to mm-hmm. had him in a position where he was going to kind of spike him on his head, but then didn't and got the takedown, and maybe he thought the ref was going to uh, penalize him for. Uh, spiking motion on the takedown and he was kind of getting up to protest and kind of untangling himself and you know I I, I just think the, I, I think the ref is at fault here like uh, like I know when guys like you know stick on neck braces and pretend they're pretend they've been hit by a car when, when they get glanced with a with a, with a legal kick in the fight they're losing or whatever but I, like I'm definitely not one to to <laughs> get behind that kind of stuff but in fairness to, to I think there's enough benefit of doubt here for Cody that like I think this wasn't his fault, and and that first round could have went differently if if the ref hadn't interfered there, and if he had, and if that round had went differently, he would have won that fight, and it would have been in double his paycheck. So like these things are important. Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought it was a weird. I, like I think the fight before that probably bled into it as well because we had a technical split decision here, and like I don't really want to get into the points being taken away. Start to yeah, stuff I was going like, to say, what is the you, you, you do you know what the rule is on the two points and then. Stopping, uh, I yeah. don't know, it's a bit of an unusual situation. So there was a point taken away at the start of the third round for, what was it, an illegal knee or whatever, right? That was grand, the fight went on, and then the fight uh, came towards the end and he took away another point. Oh, okay, well, the fight, same, okay, there was, an, uh, what was it, another illegal knee. Oh, no, let's just forget about what I just said. After the end of the second round, there was a, a, a knee thrown after the bell or whatever, and then the referee took away the point for it at the start of the third round, right? So that's grand. That's one point taken away. And then there was an illegal knee uh, one minute, 55 seconds into the third round that Mandy Baum couldn't uh, continue after, so the fight went to a technical decision. Now, <laughs> I was talking to an official about this, and they gave me they, they gave me some advice, and it, it's it's good advice because I think the referee was given the same advice. To be honest, if the fight goes to a DQ, there you can forget about taking away points, right? Because it doesn't matter. You can take away a thousand points, and it's a DQ. You lost by DQ. You know you could take away a thousand points. You get submitted. The fight's over. You know it doesn't count. But if the fight's going to, <coughs> if you if you deem it an unintentional illegal knee the fight is going to a decision. So if you view the knee is eno- has done enough damage to warrant a point being taken away, you should take away a point because it'll count because the fight's going to a decision. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. So that's exactly what he did. Now, the problem there was, I think the referee had that explained to him afterwards. They're like, are you going to take away a point for that knee? Was it bad enough? Did it cause enough damage? Because we're going to a decision here and that's going to count. And then the referee was like, oh yeah, I am, yeah. But then it was like two minutes later. No, the referee actually has the right to do that, I believe. So he went back in and did it. But by that time, the cards had been put into the machine, the, the cards had been written up and they had to be rewritten because he decided to take another point away. So instead of it being, you know, what would it be? Let's say 29-27 with the point that was already taken away, it was going to be 29-26 or whatever it ended up being, right? So that the cards had to be like completely put back in again for the third round at least anyway and then new cards had to be printed out or just the, the, the additional point had to be taken away, and then the cards had to come out again. So I, I hope, hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully I explained that well, but 
I, I it does make sense. Like I actually, I, I would disagree with a lot of what happened in that fight. But what happened at the end with the point being taken away, if the referee uh, deemed that a point should be taken away, he was right to take it away. If he if he deemed it was uh, a DQ then it should have been a DQ and you forget about the point. But I think there's a weird thing here and we've talked about it. This like this grey area between a disqualification uh, and a legal knee and, uh, you know, winning winning when not points should be taken. Because like... It's just intent. It's so hard yeah. to to judge. But you I know. suppose... Well, sometimes it can be obvious, okay? Some guy does it in anger or something. We've seen that before. But like usually the intent of of it is, you know, you'd have to assume that he, in a close fight that they didn't do it on purpose because they know the repercussions, but it is hard to know. But know, also the intent... There was a rush of blood to the head, you know, we see mm-hmm. we see things like that, like, you know, uh, Luke Shaw last week for Man United just last minute puts his hand in the air for no reason and handballs it, you know, just madness, you know, but he did it like, you know, it wasn't a... It wasn't unintentional. It was like a moment of madness or whatever. So it's very hard to. But even you know, yeah, so that's great. But that's for the DQ point, right? Yeah. But for the point taken away, uh, for the the uh, the matter of a point being taken away, it if it's unintentional but causes an effect, you can still you should still take the point away if you deem it bad enough. Yeah. So look. But for at, example, if it's like the Cody Salmon fight where mm-hmm. it's it's it's. There's no effect. You don't know the intent, the intent, but the impact is so minimal Minimal. that you know there's no point. No point is being taken here. The points are too valuable in the fight to to take a point in any circumstances. Correct. Yeah. So I think we've cleared up. Now my opinion would be outside of that that points are too valuable and a lot of points shouldn't be taken away. But that's uh, another discussion for another day. Um, I think, geez, I don't think anyone will explain that now as well as we did. Geez, we did a great job there. Pats in the back all around for the two of us. Brian Battle knocked. He did a better job than uh, Gabe Green oh. running into punches anyway. He did. He threw a few punches. <laughs> I could do that. Yeah, I sign could. me up. <laughs> 13 seconds. 14 seconds. Sorry. Yeah, sign you up. Can you make 170? Probably, you probably could, could you? Uh, if I chop off this leg. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. How's the leg? How's the leg going, actually? after You had the surgery, didn't you? Yeah, I had the surgery there last uh, on Monday. On Monday, so... Uh, Still in the early stages, doing the the early rehab exercises. Torn ACL, is it completely torn? Yeah, yeah. It got the got the surgery, so it's still very swollen. So it's uh, it's awkward to get a good sleep and stuff like that. But you know, got to battle through. These things happen sometimes in uh, yeah. football. football. It was a Jordan Pickford who did it. Yeah, Man United is Jordan Pickford. Yeah, it, was an, it wasn't even any contact. But uh, yeah, Jesus, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It just just unlucky. These things happen, uh, but yeah, Brian Battle, great knockout though. Brian Battle, fair play to him, absolutely. Uh, brilliant. He called out Ian Gary, don't think that one will be happening, but um, maybe, maybe D Rod, maybe that fight would make sense. So, so let's see that. And then uh, Tiniara, uh, Liboa, Lisboa, she actually looked pretty good. She beat Jessica Rose Clark, ended up submitting her in the uh, the third round. So good stuff there. From her, just before we finish on this, do you think there's a chance that the Ian Gary might, or the UFC, sorry, might go with for Ian Gary? It might go with somebody, maybe, you know, an Alex Morono kind of guy, somebody on the verge of the top fifteen, or just after breaking into the top fifteen himself, and kind of take it a little bit, you know, not rush him in, even though he did look, he did look very ready. If Ian's talking about like six fights, then they'll have to like, because like. You're probably not going to get six 
opponents in a row who are ranked type of thing like if if yeah. you're on your way to, so lot, but like, you know, both guys can turn around quick you know same yeah. car same schedule don't think anybody took too much you know damage that's going to you know keep them out you never know with training camps and things like that but assuming both of them are, are fit it, you know the timing lines up you see historically kind of like to like to do that kind of thing and like Neil Magny, you know, you could fight him in six, seven months' time and have a Morono fight in, in the meantime if uh, if he wanted. Yeah, I, I could see it happening, but if he has that ranking number by his name come to Windsor... Morono might as well, though. You know, he might have a ranking number beside his, mm, beside his name now. I don't think so. Who's who's in the rankings? Let me just look here. So it is... Rodriguez is 15 at the moment. Pereira's 14... Jack Dell and Madeline is 13. I don't think any of them are going anywhere, you know? So, yeah. No, I don't think he probably will. But, like, that fight actually would, you know, would make sense. But, like, that fight would have made more sense, like, say, say the uh, the Dirty Board fight or whatever it might have been, before you got to Rodriguez. Or let's say you never fought Rodriguez, but you fought Chiesa or someone. It would have made sense then. Doesn't make Like, it probably does still make sense now, but I think they see... When, they, when guys get to the rankings... The UFC uh, matchmaking is very simplistic. Like, they will give, you know, they'll do 14 against 15, or they'll do 13 against 15, or they'll do 10 against 8, or whatever it might yeah, be, you know? Yeah, that's true. So, and, you know, maybe if he had went out there and won an impressive decision over Rodriguez, it would have been a, a case of looking more kind of at that level of, of, you know, top 20, top 25. But the fact that he went out and looked so impressive and so dominant that they're it kind of, you know they're looking up the rankings rather than, you know, looking at other guys who are breaking into the top 15 along with Ian, who, you know, will likely be ranked, I think, now on, on Monday when the rankings come out after after beating the number number 15. Indeed. Indeed. I'm interested. It'll be interesting because, like, he did call Neil Magny. They've kind of given him a lot of what he has called for recently. So let's see... Um Let's see how the cookie crumbles, and hopefully we'll know. Geez, we're nearly an hour into the podcast already, Graham. We better, we better get going. Um, before we get to Bellator, let's talk uh, just briefly about this uh, PFL drug testing insanity. Um, nine PFL fighters, apparently, is it nine? I think it's nine, have failed um, drug tests, are on the... Uh, the schedule this week for Nevada. One of them is Ireland's own Will Flory, who was obviously on it. Now, we're still at the stage, I suppose, where we have to see what they say in Nevada, and we'll see, you know, what the bans are, what the, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of people get the uh, the second test done and all. Um, and obviously, it's going to be a big story for us. With I think Will is the first Irish fighter to fail a test, if he has failed a test, and if it goes through and all of that. And we obviously we'll talk about that next week and in the coming weeks as well. Again, but for the PFL, it's it's yeah, mad. Like you know, it destroys the tournament. Really, you know, Will his opponent. You know, uh, a couple other guys in the, in the in the division. Thiago Santos. You know, it really it's a big blow for PFL and their kind of plans but I suppose these things happen sometimes in MMA you can't, you could say but obviously we got to wait and see what happens there's a lot of people a lot of people uh, failing at the same time and kind of unprecedented uh, situation and I think the hearing is Wednesday I believe so we'll probably know more after that or you know with these meetings maybe it'll be pushed to, an, to another one these kind of uh, they're not really courts; they're more like kangaroo courts, uh, uh, especially in Nevada with um, 
the the, the members that uh, ask the questions there. So it could drag on, or we we could have all the information on Wednesday. But I think Will and all the other guys are probably looking at you know at least nine months uh, of a ban, and that would obviously take Will out of the the tournament and out of uh, the Dublin the Dublin show that PFL are are planning also. So. Yeah, I don't know what PFL are going to do. Um, if they're going to, you know, obviously they're going to wait and see what happens before they make any decisions, but they could be looking at cutting people. Or I think uh, I, I saw on social media that usually in the in the past, PFL have had a pretty strict on, on cutting anybody who, who failed. So, yeah, that's not looking good. But obviously, it's, it's hard to speak on things while it's still kind of up in the air before the hearings actually happened and before the information's kind of yeah. you know they've been suspended temporarily kind of pending this but this, a lot um, of people as well you know if they if they decide well I'm not accepting the, the suspensions they can go on you know they they have their, their day in the kangaroo court or whatever or maybe fucking months in the court trying to get themselves cleared or say it's a tainted substance or whatever it might be now we'll see all of them individually will have to you know we see how that goes like Nick Diaz yeah. kind of put up a pretty good case and they were like yeah I don't care uh, five years and then Paolo Bob was like ah, I think a life ban is more appropriate and then they made five years sound reasonable yeah. but these guys you know you never know what's going to happen with these guys so I think it is better wait and see yeah and I somehow I don't think uh, I don't think the PFL will be going back to Nevada again I'd say they'll be going back to Florida next year but yeah look it'll be interesting as as I said it's from for all the fighters to see what they do but for obviously Will Flurry as we're concerned about the Irish fighters it'll be interesting to see you know how uh, how that goes and I suppose when the uh, hearing comes out and we you know maybe we'll have a, a statement or whatever it might be or, or maybe an interview or whatever we will uh, we'll obviously talk about it then and see what way um that goes but um what was it the great yeah. prophet Nate Diaz said yeah do you know what did he say no, was it Nate? all these motherfuckers on steroids is it? <laughs> but did you see the, the funny thing I think was like my initial reaction when I heard fucking nine people had failed was like geez there must be something wrong with the testing there must be something gone wrong here and then I, I saw other people going yeah nine people failed but they probably didn't catch half of the lads that were actually on drugs which is like yeah that's actually probably a more accurate initial thought than, uh, than my thinking so like but I think only if, nine <laughs> only nine I think if this had happened a few years ago the people would have been up in arms and been like, oh my God, the drug, you know, the, the, the drug situation in MMA is absolutely insane. I just feel like this USADA thing has been so detrimental to people caring about uh, drug failures in MMA that it's gone completely the so other what way. So what is even going on with USADA in the UFC? Who like, knows? Uh, ever, since, ever since back, like, near the time where Nate Diaz, again, mentioned Nate Diaz, came out and said, they told me to shut up and just, we'll deal with this after the fight. And the Vitor Belfort thing and the John Jones. You know, thing. are they just doing that with everybody where they're just like, ah, don't worry about it, mate, we'll sort it out behind the scenes or... Is nobody failing, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no one has, yeah, no one has failed. Like one or two people have failed in since the pandemic. Like it's like where where did all these drug test failures go? Like if nine lads are failing in PFL in fucking three events, why is there no one failing in the UFC? And I know now they stopped announcing them as well, so maybe there is fa- people failing all over the place in the UFC. But this cloak and dagger behind the scenes thing is really fucking weird. And I. Like, I well, it was like you know it's pretty clear I think now to people who've been been paying attention that it was kind of to quote legitimize 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 the legitimize sport uh, to sell the company I think that's been been a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah and yeah I, I I don't know we we can all have our own opinions about it but I, I like I think the opinion that 
should you be on steroids? Should you be taking drugs or whatever? Is you know we probably all agree. Yeah, probably you know no, probably not. But also like, are, is the way they're going about it the right way? I would say definitely not. And that's a that's a big problem. But look, we'll we'll be having discussion. I I, I feel more over the next few weeks. So um, we'll uh, we'll park it there for a while and we'll talk about it again. Uh, let's talk about Bellator Graham. I got absolutely shit faced on Friday and uh, missed this, but I went back and I watched uh, most of the fights. The top, I, I went through the top three fights there today, and by Jesus, that was that was a long hour and a half that I sat down watching those three fights. Uh, three decisions, uh, thirteen rounds, three very similar fights. I would say you could all put them all. Uh, well, the, the 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 Lima fight and the Edwards fight very similar. The premise one a little bit a little bit different, but I felt like for Edwards and Lima, we both said last week, and I said in my preview, if they can both like up up the output a little bit more they'll become a different type of fighter and I feel like they both did that and it's the reason why both of them won now let's talk about Edwards and and Musasi first Uh, I I think there was two things that were true here I think Fabian looked a damn sight better than he's looked ever before I think he looked great and I think his ability to throw shots uh, and let the hands go when needed was way better than it has been recently when that has been making his fights close so massive credit to Fabian Edwards and I took Gegard Musassi I thought he looked absolutely and utterly shot to bits uh, what way did you see it am I going a bit too far on, on Musassi or what do you think yeah I think I think Fabian uh, as you said uh, as we kind of hoped as well uh, in the in previewing this that he kind of let his let his game go a bit more let his hands go let it mix it up a bit more and wasn't trigger shy and through his feints and one, once he'd landed a few times on Musassi Musassi was biting on them fakes and biting on those feints and uh, Fabian just grew into the fight as it went on. I think his confidence uh, grew as he went on, and Musasi, yeah, he—I don't know if his heart in. Maybe it's a case of his heart isn't quite as in it as uh, as it used to be, or it's just you know it's it's a bigger it's a bigger fight for Fabian than it is for Gegard. Gegard's been here for so many years, like ever since I've been following this sport. Nearly, I I don't remember a time where Gegard Musasi wasn't fighting, so. Uh, yeah, he's been he's he's been around a long time, so you can understand maybe if he's he's not motivated. So maybe it's a case of that, or maybe it is a case of he's just he's just finished. You know, he's what was that a sixtieth fight? You know, that's a lot of fights, uh, MMA fights, and uh, all over the world, a lot of years against you know a lot of good guys, and maybe his time has gone. I don't think he's completely shy. I think he can beat a lot of guys still, but at the very top level, yeah, I think he, I think maybe. A mixture of the game passing by a little bit and not being quite as motivated as maybe he used to be, even though you know he kind of no sell everything <laughs> throughout the years. But uh, I think uh, a lot of credit has to go to Fabian. But uh, yeah, I can see maybe uh, definitely wasn't Musashi's best performance. But Musashi has been inconsistent as well, so I wouldn't be all that surprised if he if he comes back looking looking strong in his next fight. Yeah, indeed. I'll don't know. I had a fifty forty five. Like I don't know. I saw I saw um, on MMA decisions that somebody scored at uh, forty eight forty seven Musasi and a few others had it forty eight forty seven Edwards. But like I didn't see it that close at all. Uh, maybe one round, but yeah, I thought the shots, the the much crisper and more impactful shots were coming from Edwards, and I was uh, I was surprised even checking social media in, be- in between rounds that that uh, a lot of people. Not, well, a few people anyway uh, that that were watching the fight seemed to be 
you know, having this a lot closer than, than I saw this fight. Yeah, as I was watching it, I, like, I just started kind of forwarding through it, to be honest, because I was like, this is kind of only going one way, it's three rounds in, I was like, yeah, I think Edwards is up three rounds here. I'd seen the decision, so I knew, I was like, well, <sighs> the four round was a bit of a takedown, isn't it, wasn't there, and... But yeah, not much. Like, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. A, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a classic by any means. The Douglas Lima Castillo Vancinas one. I, I actually, like I said, it was very similar. I think it was. I don't think Castillo did nearly enough in terms of like trying to push him against the cage, trying to push him backwards, trying to land shots. But I think Lima actually fought very well and took the initiative a lot more. Landed his leg kicks a lot more. Landed his punches down the middle a lot more. And uh, yeah, I wonder. And did well to come back because the the first round probably you know he probably lost and. Uh, you know, in a three round fight, all you need to do is drop another round. And Lima, you know, he's he, a tough one with Lima. He has a lot of talent, but sometimes it's just, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's, a, if it's an inconsistency like, thing or a, yeah. or a dedication thing or a mindset thing or something. But yeah, like, I don't know. I think it's kind of a bit of a, Bit of a wasted career, nearly if he doesn't if he doesn't pull this back together. But you know that's a very important important win there. He lost four on the bounce, and yeah, uh, maybe he can maybe he can make another run. But yeah, I think I don't know what went wrong there. But uh, I had a lot of a lot more kind of hope for his potential than maybe has uh, come I, to fruition. He achieved a lot. He achieved a lot before those four losses in a row. To be fair, so. Yeah, I, like he's a little bit older now, and I, I, I don't think it's that. I think he's kind of had his career, and it's, you know, this is a rejuvenation. This was a big win because Costello should have been. He's only thirty-five, though. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, uh, Costello should be ranked higher than he was, and I think uh, Lima Middleweight now will be gone up a lot further than than there. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Maybe they put him in against Musasi again, and we see how that goes. And maybe the the winner of that is will be the maybe the next in line possibly, but um. Yeah, and then Primus and uh, Mansoir Bonnui, uh, like, I predicted a fight like this happening where it'd be kind of mad stuff on the ground and a lot of, you know, moving and shaking and stuff, but I didn't I didn't think Primus would win most of it, which he did, he did a great job, even like early, he, he got the fight to the ground and then Bonnui did a great job of getting out and I was like, okay, now that'll be kind of the last of that, but no, Primus kept coming and he kept catching him in like that arm triangle kind of position and getting on top of him and... You know, did a great job and uh, got a got a great win there. So fair play to him, and he moves on in the uh, the lightweight tournament. You never know, Ben Primus, he might be a champion again at one fifty five. Uh, aside from that, Thibaut Guti got a great knockout over Ken Musa. I picked Ken going into that, so I was wrong on that one. Kilo's got a win. Um, Luca Piglat beat Oliver Incamp for uh, SPG Ireland. So a great weekend for SPG Ireland. Uh, Asel Juge as well won for it. What, what the, how did Asel look like, Graham? Was it a good performance? Yeah. Yeah, he looked really good um, in the first two rounds, especially uh, the third round. He kind of he went for a takedown himself and kind of got into a bad position and ended up on his back. It looked a bit, uh, it looked it didn't look great uh, in that moment. But um, you know, he'd already won the first two rounds. He landed some really nice kicks, and uh, including a spinning back kick to the head. I don't know exactly my my. Um, Spinning kick names, but uh, yeah, he, he looked he looked really good on 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 the feet, and he he looked confident in his all round game. But he did make that mistake and end up on his back, and you know, maybe um, as he kind of goes up, uh, he might be forced to to pay more for a mistake like that. But in this fight, he already had the he already had the the two rounds in the bag. But you know, these are learn these are learning fights, and he he got the victory. He looked really good. He added to the highlight reel and. 
you know, he'll have things to go back and work on and hopefully he won't, won't, won't make a mistake like that again. And yeah, uh, I, I still have a lot of, uh, you know, um, expectations for him, especially having seen his striking, you know, he looks, he looks very, very dangerous and, you know, 30 days for his, his, uh, his grapple, the grappling side of his game, uh, compared to his kickboxing game. But, you know, these are the kind of fights that you need. These are the kind of experiences that you need and you need to build up. And, you know, I think he's on the right path and he got a win that he can go back on and work on. And, you know, uh, I think it was a, it was a good learning fight for, for SAL. Indeed. Um, Yves Landu got a win. Uh, this this new guy coming through, uh, Kamadov, he looks very, very good here. Got a rear neck choke win uh, in the third round. Diabata got a win there. Uh, did I say Tim Wilde? Tim Wilde looked very good against Chris Gonzalez, so a good win for him, and there were some other fights there as Tim well. Tim Wilde is always kind of flying under the radar, isn't oh, he? He's always kind of like... He's in a great run now. Yeah, he's always kind of just on a random place on these cards, but he's just he's getting wins. You know, obviously he lost by uh, his uh, Bellator debut against uh, Brent Primus, but since then, you know, he's been he's been winning and he's been winning consistently. And you know, there's a couple of close decisions in there, and there's a draw in there, but win over Saul Rogers, win over Chris Gonzalez. You know, they're they're good wins. So be interesting to see what Bellator do with him next. Hopefully, they kind of don't put just put him in the in the middle of a random card again. I think he deserves a big fight, like a Peter Queeley fight. Maybe. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you know, he's yeah. kind of getting the Brian Moore treatment where he's just kind of thrown on the prelim against a random guy in a random card. Yeah, we might we might have another bit of that for Brian Moore this time as we announce it's the start yeah. of the podcast. You can join the club with Brett Johns and Yeah, and Brett Brian Johns, Moore. Brian Moore, Tim Wilde. <laughs> the Wild Boys, we'll call them. Yeah, the outcast. <laughs> the outcast. Uh, do you see fucking poor old... Uh, Why won't you just fucking lose, club? <laughs> We we want to cut you glove. Is that it? <laughs> what was it? Lose, the, what was it in the Simpsons? The the no. Oh, what was the club? No bar. No homers. No homers. No homers. Yet. No homers. And they have one homer. Yeah, one homer. <laughs> <laughs> who's their one homer? Who's uh, who's Bellator's one homer? Oh fuck! Might be Peter Queeley. Is it? Is Peter Queeley their one homer? I think he might be. We leave it at that. Anyway, uh, speaking of Bellator, well, there's two more things to say about Bellator, and we'll go in. Uh, Fabian Edwards is fighting Johnny Eblen confirmed I, I think I broke the news to be honest on Twitter half drunk before they even said it on the thing but uh, he is fighting in the main event in Bellator Dublin if Bellator still exists then uh, so that's uh, you know it's a great main event will it, will it be a great fight I'm not so sure but I'll take it I'll take a, a middleweight uh, championship match with arguably the best middleweight in the world in the main event against well, one of I the best up-and-comers we were going to talk about it in the group there I think if Fabian can you know stuff a couple early takedowns and keep it on the feet it should be a very interesting fight and it could be a very entertaining fight but if he can't it could be a, a long night of, of wrestling but you know Fabian's kind of looking like he's getting closer to fulfilling his potential that we we've talked about for years ever since he was was an amateur and you know big win over Musashi there impressive performance confidence high yeah like to be honest I, I like this fight yeah I like it as well uh, no complaint about Bellator apart from what a fucking shit show Bellator were at the weekend with <laughs> So like I, let's be honest here. Everyone in Ireland who watches Bellator watches this via VPN to Canada. Like well, there's no point even lying about it. Nah, and, do you not download the Virgin Media something something I, something uh, app? Uh, so we can't get Virgin Media on my part. Are you do you have Virgin Media broadband? 
Yeah, oh, I you have. do, but oh, I know like a lot of people in Ireland actually. Hold on. It's so not you possible. Give me your fucking sign in, will you? <laughs> so you can actually don't, get don't it. Be, don't be trying to rope me into your uh, illegal Graham, Why didn't you tell me this? So you can do you have Virgin Media Sports? Like, can you watch it? Yeah, we actually only got it recently. Ah, it for got, fuck's like, sake! Thrown in as part of the like the the phone data. Sort <laughs> so of you've not come So like, I can't get. No, I had to download media. the app. Like, yeah, uh, I had to download the it. app this time um, to get it going and got to go just about in time for sales fight. Yeah. So the prelims weren't even on YouTube here. Like, I literally, well, I was, I wasn't watching them, but I couldn't watch them on YouTube. Like, you had to, I think you had to get a VPN to Mexico or somewhere to get the prelims. You couldn't get the main card anywhere, but the main card, to be fair now, was on television here, Virgin Media 2. So that's grand. If it was always on that, we'd never give out. But poor old Canadians, they had to pay 20 quid to watch this fucking Bellator card. And now they'll have to pay 20 quid again for the next one. Well, maybe it'll be changed by the next one, hopefully. But the like the stream was buffering all over. The I got a pass for the stream. Uh, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. So bad. Wasn't there, wasn't there, I saw people with stream problems and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, people are trying to support your product and you're just making it difficult. Even the, you know, the posters they put out. They don't mention Virgin Media More Plus, whatever it's called. Yeah. This this new app, you know what I mean? On the go or whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called. But uh, nobody uses that app in Ireland. Like, I've never even heard of that app until Bellator. No. Like, that's not a popular thing, you know what I mean? If people are looking to throw on, to watch watch a fighter they've heard of, they're not going to go to this extra effort. They want to be able to pull up a YouTube stream or stick it on the TV or... You need to make the accessibility easy. Like, you know, Canada obviously is a big territory. You might be able to try and get some kind of decent TV deal there. But in in Ireland, you know, there's not that many people. Like, really, the people the the people that are trying to to watch your show, and the the, the same people who go to your your shows, the Bellator shows, when they come to Dublin, you know, those same people that are clued in that are interested in the thing are messaging us on Twitter. People like Tommy Martin who are, you know, fighters are don't know where to watch the show. You know, they, they, and that's, yeah, if you pay, if you pay really close attention and you follow yeah. everything Bellator have on their press releases or on their Twitter or on their, whatever their website. Yeah. The information is probably there in the fine print somewhere, but when you're putting out posters and there's no mention of it and it's just, you know, people are trying to, these people are trying to watch the show, trying to support these fighters, but it's, it's been made just a little bit extra difficult than it than it should be or that and is just And it's not logical. even that, right? They're actually literally making it impossible. Right? Because if you think about it... Yeah, for it, some people, yeah. For yeah. some people who, in some parts of the country, you can't get virgin and you can't... No, you can't. You can't have this. But like, even like, if you have air broadband in Dublin, you, you like, you can't get it. If you, like... It's absolutely ridiculous. And we all understand, look, we have to pay for things and all, but when you can't even pay for it, it's it's just ridiculous. And I've told them this, and I said it to them again at the weekend, and, like, they assured me it's going to be changed, and they want to change it, but, like, how many times have I got those assurances before in the past? And then it changed for the good sometimes. And, look, last night, not at 9pm, no one in Ireland would complain, because it was on Virgin Media 2, we can all watch it, perfect. Right? No one would complain. But, like... I feel for the people in Canada. Like, what? as you said, right, let's say Peter Queeley puts it up on his Instagram and goes, oh, Asselle Juge, this brilliant fighter is fighting tonight at Belter Premiums, watch it. How many people are following Peter Queeley like that? And these are the people that only go, say, maybe to Bellator Dublin or whatever, and and they're like, oh, God, we're sitting at home on a Friday. Bellator Premiums, right, where are they on YouTube? Let's go to YouTube. And they're not there. Like, you're missing out on that person watching, say, an Asselle Juge fight, or maybe tuning in and seeing Tim Wilde and go, oh, him versus Peter Queeley be a good fight, and then going to, and buying a ticket to go to the Peter Queeley fight. 
now they won't know who that is. Now they won't have seen a Selajuge. Now they won't have built him up in their head as the next good fighter. Like, and for what? For what? Like, you can't tell me that they have lost out and they have, or sorry, sorry, they have changed their deal from the last event to this event with Virgin that the prelims now have to be on Virgin Media more and they can't be on YouTube. Like, give me a break. Like, like give me a break. And honestly, right? Why are they doing this? Well, there's no logic behind this. Why would you charge people 20 quid? Why would you take people the, the prelims off of YouTube? Uh, like, you're you're getting into fucking conspiracy theory fucking realm at, the, uh, at this stage. You're like, oh, it's just bizarre. It is absolutely utterly bizarre. It's like they don't want people to watch their fights. That's the only logical explanation, and that's the complete opposite of what logic should be. So... I don't know, lads. I, I I think I feel like people will agree with me giving out on this one because like everyone will probably be giving out about this because it's so fucking stupid. But yeah, anyway, we leave it there. Have we, is there fights coming up next week, Rip? Katie Taylor's fighting next week. You going or boxing? You going to no down the road from you? No, no, I have much interest either. Um, Darn McKenzie, Darn and Angela Hill next week in the UFC. I think uh, can't wait. Can't wait for that one. <laughs> Shabazzian and Hernandez. Oh, we'll all we'll all be we'll all be fucking tuned in hard for that one. Uh, what are reading down through it here? And yeah, indeed, confirmed. No fight to give a fuck about. So yeah, um, we'll uh, we'll have a preview show for that one, lads. Best of luck to Ian and, and Harry in the preview. I won't be joining them this week. I can tell you that for free. But uh, yeah, look, there's a. Uh, there's lots of MMA coming up. Anyway, we have the um, the Canadian card coming up, which Ian will be at. Feet on the ground for that one. Um, we've Bellator Dublin coming up. We have, actually, I, I think around now, just, I think in about an hour's time, Stephen Costello is fighting as well. Another SPG guy is on a, is on a card. Um, so best of luck to him, and hopefully by the time people listen to this, he might have won that fight as well, because it's been a great time for Irish MMA. And um, yeah, long may it continue. Right, we leave it there. Thanks everyone for listening, watching. Well, listen, we're not in video yet. Yes, yes, being the operative word. Maybe soon. If you want it, let us know. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Sean Sheehan BA. Please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. If you wouldn't mind going over to Patreon, keep the lights on for us. Help us keep the lights on. Patreon.com forward slash Severe MMA Podcast or SevereMMA.com forward slash points because it's the price of a pint a month. Absolutely for nothing, hardly. Uh, do you know what? I was in Patrick's Well the other day and I bought a roll. And it was five seventy five. That's that's in Dublin Limerick. in Limerick, yeah. That's fucking Dublin price are all there. Shocking. Shocking. Our Patreon should be like is a fifty percent discount for living in that shit house. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, go on. I was going to say something about soccer there, but I won't even start now. But see, the yeah. Eurovision, the Eurovision was on in Liverpool. It must be great for you to have European visitors. You you won't have them for a while. You won't have them. Here for we a will. While. We'll have a bunch of fucking European you teams nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> Ludogorets will be on next next year. Ludogorets, yeah. Uh, sure, look, we leave it there. Right, Graham, give us your uh, quote for the week. And now my bitter hands cradle broken glass of what was everything. Is that an Eric Dinag quote? <laughs> <laughs> Fair play to put on Harry Maguire at the end there. In fairness, like, you know, give, him, give, give, him me a hard, give me a heart attack. All right, go on, everyone. He, we'll he got the handball in, but the ref didn't call it, so fair <laughs> enough. Did, yeah, I thought it was. We'll see you all next week. Good luck. Bye.
such a lovable guy. I actually have been to a lot of people. You know, we get along. No, no just, just fine. Yeah. So I never want to punch you in the face ever. We all know Bisping can dish it out, but he has a hard time taking it. Tony's good at getting under your skin, and we are having a little altercation. He's saying you want to punch me right now, don't you, Bisping? You want to punch me? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. And he's like, come on, fucking punch me, punch me. Why don't we let Bisping go? He wants to talk. No, 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 no. Dominic, you are the wizard. You are the expert. I am merely, you know, just here in awe of you.